Welcome to the Urban Wine Club podcast. Pour a glass, sit back, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Thank you for joining us for this very, very special event that we're doing tonight. I just want to make a few points. I'm keeping everybody muted and videos off, but we will, towards the end, allow people to, to join in on the conversation. But until then, if you could use the chat box for any questions, any comments, anything like that, we will be monitoring that. And again, thank you so much. I'm going to turn it right over to my co-host, and he is going to introduce this wonderful event with some very, very wonderful people. Thank you so much for joining. And Poti, how are you? Excellent. Thank you so much, Ari. As always, on behalf of the Urban Wine Club, we'd like to thank everyone who is joining us, all of our special guests, all of our participants. For us, it's always an honor to be hosting these virtual events. Uh, Thanks to the pandemic, we had to shift gears from in-person, but thankfully with virtual events, we've been able to host quite a bit of events in such a short time frame and got to meet a lot of great people. And having said that, in this segment, uh, we are very honored to have the guests with us this evening. So in honor of Women's History Month, it's so appropriate and ideal to have this special event with us, uh, with the guests that are participating. I wanted to acknowledge who's joining us tonight because we're paying tribute to an amazing young woman who started a company that I'm just a big fan of and what she's doing, which we'll get to know pretty soon. Uh, but I want to acknowledge our guests first before we get started. I'm going to acknowledge Medina Mohammadi, who is the founder of Jahan. I also want to acknowledge and thank Latoya Harris-Allen, who is the Director of Development for an amazing organization, Women for Women International, who took the time to be with us um, based on her busy schedule. This is an honor to have her as well with us. And as always, our dear friend who is uh, who hails from France, but happens to be in Massachusetts, our friend Nathan Derry, who is the District Manager of Dreyfus and Ashby, who is responsible for the wonderful wines we're about to enjoy this evening and part of the experience. And uh, we want you to enjoy this, sit back, relax, get to learn more about uh, the products of Jahan, uh, get to learn more about Women for Women International, and obviously, obviously the wines. But before we get into it, I'm going to turn it over to LaToya, who will tell us a little bit more about their amazing organization. LaToya. Well, first, thank you, Foti and Ari with the Urban Wine Club and our partners, uh, Medina and Johan, for welcoming me tonight. I'm excited to be here with you all and have the opportunity to share the work of Women for Women International. Uh, March 8th was International Women's Day, and we celebrated with a month-long Power to Change campaign aimed at creating a world that is more equal, peaceful, and prosperous for women everywhere. So it's fitting that tonight we're going to be pairing these beautiful wines with spices from Jahan, a woman-owned Afghan spice company that is using their platform to raise funds and awareness for women's rights in Afghanistan. So Medina will be sharing more about her story and her spices in a few, but I want to tell you a little bit more about the work that we're doing at Women for Women. So with the ongoing humanitarian crisis in Afghanistan and now the war in Ukraine, we're reminded why our mission at Women for Women International is so important. We believe that women have the power to transform their own lives, but when they're undervalued, they lose this power. Conflict and war deepens this injustice. 
A woman who survives violent conflict is then forced to rebuild their lives in community where her voice and her needs are put last. So we at Women for Women, we invest in regions where inequality and poverty are the greatest. We invest in women survivors of war and conflict. We connect them with each other so they realize their own power. We enroll women in our signature program. It's called Stronger Women, Stronger Nations, where they learn together. They learn how to save money. They learn how to build businesses. They understand their rights. They learn how to improve their health. They change society rules by learning how to advocate for themselves. And our data shows that the women who are learning these skills, they pass on that knowledge to their family and their communities, to others in their communities. So this causes this ripple effect and it brings about this sustainable change. So that's the power of women for women. In August 2021, Taliban forces took control of, of Kabul. And at Women for Women, we adapted our programs to meet the needs of women to serve the changing constraints in which they live. That's a part of our DNA. That's what we do. When Kabul fell, we called on our supporters to stand in solidarity with Afghan women. And we raised more than $5 million to help rebuild the lives of women we serve in Afghanistan. And with that support, we provided kitchen, garden, and poultry kits to address widespread food insecurity and hunger. We provided psychological support to women in our program who were struggling with trauma and mental health challenges. Um, our training centers recently reopened last month, and to date, we have enrolled and deliver our 12-month Stronger Woman, Stronger Nation program to over 250 women in Nangahar. And we restarted our stipend distributions. We're one of the few organizations to overcome the region's cash flow challenges. So women, and also Women for Women is close to securing um, a final government approval to resume work in uh, Parwan, which we're, we plan to serve 200 women to participate in that program as well. So things have been far from easy and negotiations with the new government have been complicated and scary. And the country is still suffering from major food crisis and political instability. And women, although they are fearful for their lives and, you know, they're scared for, you know, their future, they're still making the journey to Women for Women um, International Centers because of the lifeline that we provide them. And they know that the trainings, the stipends and the social support networks that they are forming are key to a brighter future for them, despite the immense challenges that they face. So if you've been inspired by what you hear tonight and you want to get involved, there are a few things that you can do. You can, of course, visit us at our website, womenforwomen.org or on our social media. Check out our stories, see what we do, see how we operate. And if you are able and inspired to give, the most impactful way is for you to commit um, a one-time gift or a reoccurring monthly donation. Our donation link is in the chat. Um, you can make a donation on our website. Um, so now I'm going to pass it on to Medina so she can share um, her, her spices and her story. Wonderful. Thank you so much, LaToya. And I just want to start off with uh, saying how much of an honor it is to not only be able to partner with you from Women for Women, Boti and Ari from Urban Wine Club and Nathan here, uh, but this is my first event. So being able to partner with you all is just incredible. I just want to thank you first. Um, and thank you for all the participants for joining us today. 
Um, so I will just say, start off with an introduction. My name is Medina Mohammadi. Um, I am an Afghan American who was born here in the U.S. in the year 1990. And I was born to two parents, um, Jahania and Akbar Mohammadi, who moved to the U.S. in 1988 during the Soviet invasion in Afghanistan. So they were forced to leave their homes with uh, my older siblings and move to an entirely new new country and figure out how to figure out the right uh, balance between uh, assimilating our family into a Western culture while also holding on to their own Avian culture, preserving the language, and making sure that my siblings and I were growing up and holding on to the traditions that uh, that they grew up with. So two ways, um, two very, very important pieces of my culture that um, that they held on to and just made sure that I grew up with every day in my home was our language and our food. Mm-hmm. Food was just the warmest and um, just most inviting way to be able to hold on to that like beautiful piece of our culture. I grew up every day eating Afghan food. Um, when we would go out to eat, I was really fortunate to grow up in a really large Afghan um, um, American community in the U.S. and Northern Virginia, which unfortunately I, I don't have up here in Boston, but I'll get to that a little later. Um, so I was able to, to grow up um, eating and helping my mom and my grandma cook Afghan food, um, things like kebab. That was always my favorite growing up, just really delicious rice, kabuli, which is a a very fancy rice that has um, raisins and carrots and, and just so many um so many different dishes that are not really accessible to most homes in the United States um, and most communities in the United States. So fast forward several years, I won't say exactly how many years later, (laughs) um, to me moving to Boston and not really having um, Afghan food readily available to me. So during the pandemic, um, I wasn't able to travel to visit my family as often as I would have liked. Actually, I wasn't able to at all for about a year, year and a half um, to keep both them and myself safe. And so I started FaceTiming my mom and learning exactly how to cook the food that that we would cook together growing up. Um, I never really, as a child, learned um, the secret recipes of like the different spice blends. Like I knew how to put the dumplings together and knew how to kind of form the food, but I I didn't really appreciate how important the spice blends were when we were cooking together as a child. So in Boston, trying to figure this out over FaceTime, trying to figure out exactly what a pinch of ground coriander <laughs> means, or a, <laughs> just throw a handful of this and try it and see if it's right. <laughs> Um, and, uh, figuring out also just where can I buy some of these ingredients? Like, I don't know about you, but I personally have no idea which store in Boston sells black cumin seeds. I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, uh, I would have my mom ship it to me or I'd, I'd buy it online. And I also, um, live in a very tiny apartment with a really, really small kitchen. So being able to find the space for like a dozen or so different spices that you need just for one dish is not really um, sustainable for most people, I think. So that's how I came up with the idea of Jahan. I was cooking for my friends um, and while trying to like explain how they can make it on their own 
and explain where they can find all the ingredients and the raw ingredients that they need and how to blend it together and in what um, proportions they would need to blend it together. I just figured like I should package this. There is such a huge need on the market for this. There is, I, there, you go into like a regular supermarket and what they call like an ethnic aisle where they just group together everything that is not considered American food into one aisle. And it's like mostly Goya and uh, there's absolutely nothing from Afghanistan or Central Asia, actually. Um, So there is clearly a need for it. Even just within my friend group, most of them had never um, had the privilege of experiencing Afghan flavors before, and they absolutely loved it. And I knew I had to figure out a way to make this accessible to also reframe and bring a new lens to Afghanistan. And instead of having people think of conflict or or something that's negative, they can think of something that's so beautiful, which is our food. And um, to also raise awareness about the dire need for humanitarian aid for Afghanistan. I realized that with my upbringing, although my parents went through such hardship and coming to the U.S. and being forced from their homes, that I did grow up with the privilege. I was able to go to school. I was able to take advantage of many opportunities that my mother wasn't able to. My grandma definitely wasn't able to. And so many Afghan women in Afghanistan or uh, refugees who were forced to to leave Afghanistan in the past several years just have not been able to take advantage of or, or have never had these opportunities. So I knew if I was going to ever build a business where I was sharing something about my culture, I absolutely need to give back. And there is just no way for me to um, to operate without having some sort of humanitarian aid component. And that's what brought me to Women for Women, which is such an incredible organization. The impact that they make all over the world is just astounding. And also just knowing that when I give to them, I can trust them with my money and I can trust that they are going to use it in programs that actually are able to make an impact and um, help women in several different countries uh, that are in dire need at this moment. Also, just very recently, seeing how quickly they were able to shift um, some of their programs to be able to meet the need in Ukraine and be able to do so um, so effectively and and um, really just so quickly is, is amazing. So um, again, I'm honored to be able to do this. I'm honored to be able to share my story while also partnering with an incredible organization. And hopefully this will just spread and will spread awareness about the need for Afghanistan, even as it falls out of the news cycle again. You know, it comes in and out over the years with every major event that happens. You're not seeing as much anymore uh, or as much as you did in August. Um, And yeah, we'll just we'll continue to um, to speak about the need and and inspire people to give where it's needed. Um, so, uh, yeah, and I can move on to the food. I think after oh. we speak a little bit about the wine. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, thank you so much, um, Medina. And thank you so much, Latoya. Um, commend you both on uh, your endeavors and um, how this all came about with your project, Medina. And you mentioned something about, you know, growing up uh, in a ethnic culture where, you know, your grandparents or your parents have recipes to their dishes, but how often do they write them down? Oh, and, God. <laughs> and, and, and everyone has their own version. So it's basically what you mentioned, a pinch of this and a pinch of that. And then there you go. But 
you're able to transform and take these recipes and create these wonderful blends that individuals like myself and Nathan uh, and Ari too as well. Um, you know, we take a lot of pride into um, the way food is presented and prepared. So, you know, you, you, you hear about, you hear about um, food and wine pairing. So it's not so much about the category of food that we look into, but we all, we take more into consideration the preparation the ingredients, the spices, the cooking methods, that's really what drives the pairing. So the way that you've blended your spices, each individual um, selection, in my opinion, is amazing because you bring so many different flavors together, but in a very eloquently balanced format. Um, The same thing I can say about the wines that Nathan will speak about for us, it's all about balance. Everything is about balance. And, and here we find this uh, re- great harmony of balance of your spices with the balance of the wine. And uh, we should also consider the fact that the roots of a lot of today's cuisine, European cuisine stems from the spice root that originated from your neck of the woods in Afghanistan, in the middle East, in Asia, that really is what transforms today's cuisines in France and Italy in Greece, in Spain, right? Nathan, I'm sure you can you know, speak a little more about French cuisine and how a lot of the um, preparations and ingredients and spices were from the roots of Afghanistan as well. So, you know, there's a lot of culture and history here that we can discuss, but more importantly, is we want to talk about, you know, the creations you put together and why they're so fabulous. And then Nathan can talk about why the wines that he chose are so fabulous with the, with the, presentation you're going to put today with your spice. I think you have some food prepared as well, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, I do. And it smells delicious. So hopefully it it survives over the next few minutes. (laughs) Before we get into the actual different spices, I wanted to bring on Nathan to give a little introduction about uh, himself, the wineries that he represents, and the two wines that we're going to explore this evening. Nathan? Thank you very much, Foti and Ari, for hosting. Madina, I mean, amazing. Your your journey um, into the world of uh, entrepreneurship and and the whole story that you developed is just so touching and moving and obviously Latoya amazing organization so I'm I'm really proud to be here tonight. Um, I just wanted to um, have a couple of words about uh, Madina's presentation because every single sentence that Madina brought uh, to the to the audience tonight, um, the word like food and culture the world balance, the world blending, all of those terms are the terms that I use in my day-to-day operation. And the food and the wine, obviously, everybody's talking about food and wine pairing, but there's all the background of the wine. And what Madina is doing with the spices, the winemaker in France all over the world are doing the same exact job. You're blending spices, they are blending grapes. Um, So I'm, I'm really uh, lucky to work for that company. So uh, as Foti said, I work for Dreyfus HB. Uh, we import wine from all over the world. Um, the company is owned by uh, the Drouin family and the wine that the audience hopefully have tonight um, are two wines from the Drouin family. I also represent a bunch of other wineries from all around the world. The, the, the key thing for my company is to feature wines that are family-owned and family-run wineries only. So there's, there's a bunch of actors in the world of wines. Um, there's big corporation, um, and those guys are doing jewelry and perfumes and handbags and also wines sometimes. This is not what we are trying to represent here. What we are trying to represent here is families, um, individuals that are trying to make the best wine 
with the base product, which is grapes, um, that they have. And um, we, uh, for the NI and Ari as well, selected those two wines tonight because when he told me the project of Medina with Jan, I was like, great. So the food pairing with spices, it's extremely complicated, first of all. But on top of that, I wanted to bring extra components. So um, we talked about the uh, Women's History Month, and I have a couple of words to say. So the place of women in the world of wine and winemaking Before the 70s, all over the world, and especially in France, uh, women were not really allowed to make wine. Um, the only two times in history in France where women were allowed to work in the vineyard and made wine were um, between 1914 and 1918, and between 1940 and 1945. And yeah. that was literally because the men were um, going to war. So nobody was there to work the vineyard. And that's the only two times in history where women were in charge of the winery and the winemaking process. Um, and, and I think it's, it's really sad because now we have so many wonderful women winemakers all over the world. Um, the Drouin family were the very first big names in France who hired a female winemaker back in the 70s. And she stayed the head winemaker of the Drouin family all the way until Véronique Drouin, which is one of the um, four um, kids of the owner of the winery, took over the position of head winemaker. So since the 70s, the Drouin family, all the wines from the Drouin family in France and in Oregon have been made by, by female winemakers. So that's one of the very first points that I wanted to broaden. And that's why those wines were selected. The other thing is the blending component. Um, so I've uh, done a bunch of presentation about Burgundy. That's where my art stand. I love Burgundy, uh, Burgundian wines, Bourgogne, Vin de Bourgogne. Um, and for uh, some of the people in the audience that I can, I, I can recognize your name. So I know you already followed the Burgundy presentation. Um, Burgundy for white is 99.9% Chardonnay. And Burgundy for red is 99.9% Pinot Noir. Um, so... All over the world, winemaker tends to try vintage after vintage to have consistency. That's also something that I'm sure Medina can rely. Um, when she blends her spices, if she blends the spices on Monday, she wants to have the exact same blend on Tuesday and on Wednesday, and that's the consistency. What the winemaker are trying to do vintage after vintage is to have the same balance and consistency in the wine. Um, and all over the world, you can cheat a little bit by blending different grape varietals. So if you go to Napa and you want to make a Napa Cab, everybody knows Napa Cab, you can cheat and add a little bit of different uh, other varietals uh, if the Cabernet, for so many reasons, during that vintage was not up to the code or like if something went wrong, you can add other blends or other varietals. In Burgundy, by law, you can... So the only way you can work on consistency is for the regional appellation to blend different plots or different areas. So you will have Chardonnay from, from Chablis and Chardonnay from the Côte d'Or and Chardonnay from the Maconnais. It's all Chardonnay, but that's the way the winemaker will blend the grapes and try to work on, on try to work on consistency. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not in the spice business. I'm, I'm, I love food and I love spices, but I'm sure that, you know, that's what you are doing on your day-to-day operation. You have a bunch of different spices coming from a bunch of different places. And your job as a spice blender, spice master, is to blend those 
and try to have the exact same product in every single package that you're going to put on the market. Um, so the Chardonnay that you uh, are enjoying tonight is, as I said, a blend of different areas. So Chablis, um, the Côte d'Or, which is the Côte de Nuit and the Côte de Bonne, mostly Côte de Bonne because there's almost no white in the Côte de Nuit, and some Maconnais as well. Um, the way this wine is made, uh, everything is uh, um, vinified separately. All the areas are vinified separately. Um, the wine, the grapes from the Côte d'Or, um, will see a little bit, a touch of old oak, no new oak at all. And Maconnais and Chablisien are stainless steel. So that's also one of the tools that the winemaker have. They can use different vessels. Um, in the case of that specific Chardonnay, a touch of old oak and the rest is stainless mm. Um, the Pinot Noir, it's the exact same idea. So it's a regional appellation, Bourgogne or Burgundy. And the same um, criteria will apply and you will blend at different areas all over Burgundy. So you will take some Pinot Noir from the northern part and some Pinot Noir from the middle part and Pinot Noir from the southern part. You will vinify it separately and you will blend. Um, so I'm happy to answer any question on the wine if you have any question, we can go to chat box. Um, mm. Ari and... Yeah, I defi- definitely I would encourage all of our guests to ask questions. Let us know what you're thinking as you're sipping as well, because, you know, we're sipping uh, as we're listening ourselves um, just to get our palate going uh, as we salivate with um, Medina's presentation of the food. Um, excellent. Nathan, uh, to your point, um, I, you know, this is uh, interesting that most of our guests... Um, are not aware that when you talk about Burgundy as a region, most folks don't identify Burgundy thinking that it's an actual wine, not a location. So Burgundy being a location and that when you purchase or or order a bottle of Burgundy that's white, it's going to be Chardonnay. And when you purchase a bottle of red that's from Burgundy, it's always Pinot Noir, you know, by default. So hopefully some of our guests actually uh, would be enlightened by that information if they did not know so. Um, Again, the weather is changing, right? The weather is getting at least warmer for the most part, especially up here in the Boston area. I'm sure for those of you that are in the mid-Atlantic, it's a little better. Um, so that calls for wines that are a little more refreshing, right? Whites that are refreshing and crisp, with, which this Chardonnay definitely has those components. And for our white, for our reds, Pinot Noir definitely hits the mark when weather gets a little warmer for a red. You know, it's just nicely balanced, cooler. Uh, refreshing for a red as well. But why don't we have Medina uh, let us know what's going on with the food so we can sip and have some bites. Yes, definitely. So I will start off with my favorite food group, which is carbs. Um, (laughs) So growing up here, I'll I'll tilt this. This is our rice with our rustic rice blend. Uh, So growing up, Rice was always a staple of pretty much every meal. And to be quite honest, I never actually partook in in cooking rice because I feel like it was a sacred thing that (laughs) only my mom would touch or only my grandma would touch. And it always just seemed like really complicated, very complex. And I just never thought that I would be able to recreate it on my own Um, until I worked with my mom, Jahan Yan, creating a rustic rice blend. So it really just with all of all three Jahan products, um, all three SKUs, it just kind of takes the complexity out of cooking Afghan food. 
Um, one pouch, I usually use it for four servings and that's what I, um, have on the packaging, but just from feedback from friends and different customers and family members, um, some people like to use a whole pouch for four, for, for, excuse me, for four servings. Some people like to just use a little bit on top of rice, um, after they're done cooking rather than using the whole pouch during the cooking process. Um, so what I like to do is just pour the whole pouch with four cups of rice, um, and, and cook it with the seasoning on the spice blend on the rice. And it's just this really nutty, like aromatic, um, really pretty floral scent, uh, and, and flavor and it's delicious. And I think this one pairs well with both wines, but um, what we have here is our savory tandoori kebab salmon that I think tastes Ooh. delicious wow. with the Chardonnay. Um, and we use our savory tandoori kebab blend. So this is again, super easy to use. You just use a little bit of olive oil for the entire pouch on about like a pound of salmon. Um, cook it really however you'd like. Sometimes I just stick it in the air fryer when I am really low on time. And, and honestly, it comes out amazing every time. Um, or you can just put it in the oven on the grill. Um, you don't even, if you're, if you're low on time, you don't even need to marinate it for too long. Um, I will sometimes do it just right before I, I, um, put it in the air fryer, but if you'd like to really have that flavor kind of, uh, soak in and marinate, then, um, you can leave it on for, for a couple of hours. So, um, yeah, these are, these are the two that I would use, um, with this wine. And when we're ready to talk about the red, I can move on to our third blend. We, we have a question. Know, we have a, oh yeah. I was going to yeah. say before ahead, we move on, while we're on the subject of rice, uh, a question comes in, please tell us what are some of your favorite rices cook with? Oh yes. And, and uh, the second part is any rice wine suggestions for a lover of Asian dramas. So oh. part one, what are your favorite rices? Okay, that second question might have to be for Nathan. I can't speak <laughs> <the answer. laughs> uh, for the first question. Um, uh, there is no wrong answer. I love all rice, <laughs> but my favorite um, is basmati, and that's usually also like what I would eat growing up, and what my mom would typically buy in these like massive, massive bags of rice, um, since we would eat it every day. Um, so usually basmati, um, sometimes cauliflower rice, since that's the, the new trend, um, and, and, and fake carbs, um, uh, sometimes with lentils, um, when I'm trying to get like a little more protein in, um, yeah, those three are, are usually, uh, my most favorite being used with, with this blend. Um, I've also heard, uh, a customer has gotten back to me. They've used it with risotto. So that's a great option. Um. Yeah, whatever you have on hand. Oh, great. Okay, thank you so much, Medina. And uh, Nathan, could you uh, give us uh, any rice wine suggestions for a lover of Asian dramas or food? Saki. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's a really good point. Um, so, yeah, saki is actually wine made out of rice. So rice. that's a super easy pairing. Um, I, I would say that there's no right or wrong wine pairing, and there's never any right or wrong wine pairing with any kind of food. Um I think it all depends on the on the spices that you're going to use in your rice. Um, and you just have to find the balance between the tannins and the acidity of your of your wine um, to go with the, with the spices. The, the spicier, I would I would go the, the more tannic. So if you have something and I'm not talking hot spicy, I'm just talking about spices in general. Um, and the spicier the dishes and the more complex with the blend of spices, 
the Morganina will try to chase. So a Pinot Noir from Burgundy is great. Um, any kind of northern Italian wines, uh, that's going to be good as well. I'm sure, Foti, you have some idea of Greek. Well, I mean, to, well. to, um, to Nathan's point, when he, when he speaks of tannins, for those of us that are not familiar, basically the more bitter the wine is, um, the better that that bitterness will counteract um, some of the reactions of the spices with the food, it almost kind of complements each other because you can easily lose the flavor of the wine if there's not, if the structure isn't there. So if there's not a presence of tannins in the wine, you can lose the flavor of the wine because of the lack of tannins, right? So if the food is prepared with an abundance of great spice flavor, and when when Nathan makes that point, spice can sometimes be deceived with being hot, that doesn't necessarily mean spices can be a complexity of flavors, but even so when there's heat in the, in the spice blend too, tannins will be a good component to kind of balance out so that you can taste the flavor of the food and taste the flavor of the wine. So that's important. And yeah, there's no right or wrong, but if you want to maximize the flavors of each uh, component, food and wine for the best experience, you know, that's where we try to um, suggest the pairing this way, but yeah, wines with tannins, is the key with what with food that have good spice incorporation. Excellent. All right. Uh, another comment was thank you, Medina. Inspired by your new venture. Thank you. Uh, we commend you. Uh, and now, if you want to move to the next one. Yes. So with the Pinot Noir, uh, as Nathan mentioned, something spicier would be better uh, paired with um, a wine with more tannins. So what we have here is um our ground beef kebab can you see this yes oh yeah uh, oh my gosh that looks so good it smells really good uh, <laughs> hopefully one day when virtual reality technology <laughs> i could i could give you a sample <laughs> i was gonna say we have to figure out how we could ship the wine we have to now figure out how to ship hot fresh food as well and then we'll have it all or we can just <laughs> exactly. meet in person yeah. well that's true too. <laughs> okay um, yeah, so this um, ground beef kebab was prepared with our spicy street kebab blend. This actually is my personal favorite. I use it on everything. Um, so with all of our blends, you can really use it with and it doesn't have to be with uh, meat, it you can be with any type of protein, any vegetable. Um, this one I specifically love on eggplant. It's so delicious. I love it on lamb. I love it on ground beef. I love it on basically everything besides like uh, dessert. I haven't gotten to that. Yet. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, yeah. So this one works really well on any sort of like plant-based meat. Um, it has like a really tangy, uh, kind of a little bit nutty flavor and it just is I think there are maybe, uh, there, I should know this. There are about a dozen spices in this one. And um, it's just tastes so balanced. No one flavor is overpowering. Um, coriander um, is a star in this blend. There's coriander. There's some sumac. Um, there is uh, a lot of garlic, onion, um, just really uh, distinct like Afghan flavors that are blended together. I grew up eating this with um, what we call chapli kebab. And we'll, we have a few recipes up on our website, eatjahan.com, but I'll definitely make sure to build that out um, over the next several weeks. Uh, so chapli kebab is a really, really popular traditional uh, Pashtun uh, kebab, and it's this ground beef patty. And we basically have recreated it here. Typically it has a little bit of, um, uh, if you're feeling like, 
uh, a little fanciful. You can add some shredded uh, potato to it, some, some shredded onions and whatever, really whatever vegetables you want to the patty. But yeah, that's our mm. spicy street kebab with the ground beef patties. Medina, you mentioned that you can either uh, prepare it during the prep process of your food, or you can actually top off the finished product. Exactly. Or you can do both if you're like me and you just love flavor. Um, <laughs> All right. All right. Good option. Awesome. I like that idea. Um, so having said that, I know you just mentioned how you enjoyed um, uh, both wines with the different pairings, with the different foods, and you can, and it's pretty versatile where you can have one wine or the other with the different spices. Um, anyone in the, in the audience have any other comments or feedbacks of what they're experiencing with the wine? Um, anything that they'd like to share with us? Latoya, can you give us, I mean, I know you've been sipping some wine or you had sip on some wine. Any <laughs> feedback from you on what, what you know, your feedback would be with this experience? I mean, they're, I, they're all delicious. Okay. Do you have a favorite? Oh, I, you know, I'm really partial to reds. Okay. I think that, that that's really kind of my favorite, especially, you know, I'm based in BC and it's really cold and rainy today. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the red is um, warming yeah. me up today. So. <laughs> Excellent. Perfect. And I have a good news for, for you, Latoya, because that kind of wine, the Pinot Noir, you mm-hmm. can enjoy during the cold months, as mm-hmm. I would and you can also chill it a little bit during spring or, or summer and enjoy it a little bit cold. So not too cold, but just a little bit colder than what it is now. And mm. it's great summer red wine as well. Is that allowed to chill it a little bit? Chill a uh, Pinot Noir? Everything is allowed. As long as you're fine with it, everything yeah. is allowed. Our, our, our job, Foliari and I, is just to decomplexify the idea of wine. It's just it's a beverage like every other beverage is, and you can do whatever with your wine because at the end of the day, it's your wine. So if yeah. you want to drink it cold or warm, or it's your Wait. choice. Right. I like that. You, you use the word deep complex I, don't know. I like it i love it i love it, um, I'm gonna or, that. <laughs> you know he's and then to nathan's point you know there's a lot of you know misconceptions sometimes i even look at it as there's we like to debunk the myths of wine and wine drinking but um it it is recommended that uh when the weather is warmer or hot you know a slight chill on your reds definitely will make the red drink a little smoother and a chill means like something as subtle as maybe putting your bottle of wine in the fridge for 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get a slight coolness on it. That cooler temperature kind of levels out the harshness on the finish of a red wine that might have a little bit of a burn on the finish when it's too warm. And, um, and yeah, in some of the European markets, it's, you know, it's, it's common that reds are served at a cooler temperature. For sure. You know, room temperature, real quick, little fact about room temperature. You know, we've talked about this in the past in other webinars, but, you know, we're often told that we should be serving our reds at room temperature, right? Room temperature today is about 68 degrees, depending on how you like your, you know, your, your environment. But room temperature was a, was a term that was developed back in the 1800s or so when the average temperature of a home pre-HVAC units and furnaces was probably in the 50s, low 60s, right? So that term stuck around for forever, where that's the ideal temperature to stabilize your whites and your reds without 
them, I'm going to use the word, you know, brewing or cooking, because once red wine is in a hot environment, it starts to go through a almost like a secondary fermentation. It starts to cook again, if I'm not mistaken, Nathan, right? If it's too warm, the wine starts to boil again on its own in simple terms. But if it's kept at a cooler temperature, it's stabilized. So room temperature back then was cellar temperature, which is in the high 50s, low 60s. So yeah, so we should definitely be drinking our reds at a cooler temperature. That's great. That's all. (laughs) (laughs) A couple of comments came in. Um, uh, Love tindoori spice on lamb chops. Uh, I agree completely. Um, Another another comment. Spices sound amazing, uh, Medina. So commendable for you. And wine, never a wrong choice. And then parentheses, well, mostly smiley face. So yeah, I agree with that too. <laughs> you can't go wrong with most wines, but um, the wines we had tonight, I think, were were amazing. Um, anybody in the audience that didn't get the wines, um, we'll also have them. Um, and unless there's any uh, more, I just wanted to say a few words. Uh, are you guys? Do you guys have anything else you would like to um, address with the spices or with uh, or Latoya with the organization before we go and before I say my few words? Well. Um, Oh, sorry. I'll just call out one more time that there is a link for you to be able to donate independently to Women for Women. It's available in the chat. Um, so you can donate directly um, and you can share with your friends and just continue to spread awareness. Absolutely. And um, once again, the the organization, Latoya, uh, you know, I've learned more about it uh, since we started organizing this event. And it's truly inspiring, truly amazing. We we're so happy to be part of this. We're so happy to work with you. And I hope on behalf of Fatih and Nathan, you know, I'm sure they agree. Uh, we could do more and more with you guys because it is something that I personally believe in. I think we all believe in as a group. Absolutely. And it's just, it, it's when you were speaking, I already, you know, I read all about it. We, we went through all this stuff, but when you were speaking, it truly gave me chills. And, and it, it's one of those things where everybody has to support. It, it's yeah. incredibly important especially now, especially how things are. And it's, Mm. I kind of wish we didn't need your organization, but we do. And I'm so glad that you guys are out there. Mm -hmm. And um, Medina, I've never been so hungry in my life. And (laughs) the the food you made, it it looks amazing. The spices you created look amazing. Um, I wish I could smell them right now. I wish I could eat it right now. But (laughs) everybody out there, we will post this as a podcast and as a video. We're going to have links um, to Women for Women International. We're going to have links to Medina's website. We're going to have links for donation. We're going to have links to buy the spices. We're going to have links for everything. So please check it out. Uh, watch this. Share it with your friends. It's, it's truly, it, it, this was a great event. And it's truly inspiring women like you two that, that make it all possible. And we will share everything. We will have it out there and we want everybody out there watching, listening to please support. And we want to thank everybody so much for being part of it. We want to thank Medina for her time. We want to thank Latoya for her time. I want to thank Nathan as always for all the amazing knowledge uh, of the wines and Foti, you know, my partner. Thank you for all that you do. And we want to thank everybody out there so much. And we will see you guys next time. Please support, check out the video and the podcast. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Latoya Medina. Can we also say a special thank you that she's a little camera shy, but we want to thank Karen. Karen, she was. Can you do a pop in? Can you do a pop in, Karen? Bomb the camera because (laughs) she was also a big part of putting this together. So thank you so much, Karen. Behind the scenes. Karen, always thank you. 
And also the wines will be are also available on Urban White Club's platform for those of you that actually want to buy more. Yep, we'll, we'll link it all. We, we will have everything. So thank you again. Thanks, everybody out there. See you next time. Thank you. Bye-bye. Take care, everybody. Thanks, everyone. Bonsoir. <laughs> Bye-bye.